Good morning. It was such a pleasure to sing with you this morning. I have not sung with people in so long. <clears throat> that was so great, and I'm just delighted that you're the group that I got to sing with. Thank you. Let's, some, let's spend some time this morning thinking about what is really basic to Unitarian Universalism. A denomination whose original names are all but meaningless to many of us today. This isn't unique to us. American denominations frequently have names or frequently have official principles that bear little relationship to their current life. I don't think Presbyterians hear much about the Westminster Confession. I don't think Episcopalians spend much time hearing about the 39 Articles. The name Unitarian comes because our founders did not believe in the Trinity. And the name Universalist comes because it comes from a belief in the universal salvation, that everybody goes to heaven. I don't know about this congregation, but my guess is that most of us have never heard uh, these doctrines preached in a Unitarian Universalist church. In fact, these days, you could be a Unitarian who believes in the Trinity and a Universalist who believes that when you die, you're dead and that's it. We are largely identified by our social action and our liberal views. And these are things that certainly make us a good fit for me. But that's not all we are. Our views and our good works are flow from and are reinforced from the ideas that underlay our behavior and you know, how we behave in the world. Indeed, I think we have a good message for the world. Let's call that message our gospel. You know, we don't use the word gospel much in our denomination, especially those of us who tend humanist, but it's a good word. The word gospel comes to us by way of the Greek, uh, Latin, and Anglo-Saxon languages. We get the word evangelism from the Greek and Latin words for good news, which in Anglo-Saxon is Godspell, meaning good story. So this morning, I'm going to be Mike the Evangelist and talk to you about our Unitarian Universalist gospel, our good news. And we've got good news to proclaim. In fact, we have some uppercase good news and some lowercase good news. That is, with a capital G and a capital N and a small g and a small n. They're both good, but I think it's important to know which is which. Now, I'm using good news this morning somewhat playfully, but also seriously. And also, I have to say, with apologies to our universalist side, because I'm, I'm focusing on Unitarianism today. Uh, what is our good news? What is our fundamental message? What I'll try to do this morning is make a distinction between our social action and the ideas which underlay them. They, they, are they are interrelationship, but distinct. Our social action and the causes that we support are crucial to who we are, but they're not all that we are. 
I'm using the idea of good news to try to make that distinction. I believe that we have significant good news. So let's start by considering our lowercase good news. I'm defining this kind of good news as really important and fundamental to what we do, but still different from our uppercase good news. I'm going to give some examples and then explain. I am so happy that my home congregation is active in the community. I'm so happy that we do good things. I would not want to belong to a congregation that was not active in building a better world. Unitarian Universalist congregations all over the country, for example, are engaging in anti-racism work. We're looking at white supremacy in American institutions and history. We're looking at it in our own churches and denomination. And we're looking at it in our own lives. That's good news. We have worked on, we're still working on, issues of gender, sexual orientation, and sexual identity. We've developed a welcoming congregation program for, so congregations can justifiably signal that they are welcoming congregations. That's good news. And while it seems natural today, it was the result of a long process, a process that we're still undergoing. And in fact, in mentioning our work for civil rights and racial equity, I might mention to you, we've been talking about books before, Mark Morrison Reed's uh, book, uh, Selma Awakening, to talk about how, you know, before the civil rights movement of the, of the 60s that many of us participated in, you know, we were not so good at those things. We were not so good. None of these good news that I'm talking about then has come without effort. These were not easy, automatic things. Our attitude toward LGBTQ plus people was not always welcoming. Congregations debated hanging rainbow flags. Coming out against apartheid was not always a given. At some periods of our history, in some parts of our country, our religion represented the conservative establishment. It took work to become the denomination that we are, or more accurately, to become the denomination that we are becoming. If I were talking to someone who was looking for a new religious fellowship and wanted to know more about us, <clears throat> excuse me, certainly I'd tell them the, these good items, these good news items I've been talking about. The good things we have done and are doing say a lot about the kind of community that we are. They are important to do because they make us who we are and who we want to be. It's good news that we do these things, but it's not our uppercase good news. We do these things I'm talking about because our uppercase good news, our capital G, capital N good news, calls us to do them. You might say, we do them not because they're our purpose, but because they're our job. They are the outward signs of our inner belief. Some people might come to us because they like our stances, stance on causes, and I certainly hope they do. But our stance on causes 
is not the capital letter good news that we proclaim. They are behaviors. These efforts at social justice and racial equality and all the other good works we do, they are behaviors that flow from an underlying, more basic, capital letter good news that we proclaim. So let's, let's look at this capital letter good news, the ideas and practices that underlay our good works. And the best way to start is at the beginning with the first systematic and very popular proclamation of our good news, which happened in Baltimore in 1819. Preaching at the ordination of Jared Sparks, the Baltimore congregation's first minister, at a time when biblical criticism and the historical approach to religion were in their infancy, the Reverend William Ellery Channing made a number of radical statements, some of which still speak to us today. I could spend 90 minutes analyzing his 90-minute sermon, and I'd love to do it, but I'm not going to do it to you this morning. Uh, but here's just a few points. Preaching from 1 Thessalonians 21, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Channing urged the congregation to bring their intelligence to the Bible, just as they would to any other documents. In other words, and this is my paraphrase of him, think people, use your minds. He discarded much of the Bible as time-bound and inapplicable to modern times. When we read the Bible, he said, and here I'm quoting, our bounden, it is our bounding, bounden duty to exercise our reason upon it, perpetually to compare, to infirm, to infer, to look beyond this letter to the spirit, to seek in the nature of the subject and in the aim of the writer his true meaning, and in general, to make use of what is known for explaining what is difficult and for discovering new truths. For discovering new truths. Think about this. We recognize that religious ideas are subject to the same scrutiny as other ideas and that religion exists in time, that some religious teachings might have been right for one time but are not right for ours. And we are to use our reason to discover new truths. Yes, discovering new truth. We believe that humankind is still discovering truth. Humans will develop new insights, new ways of looking both inward and outward, will set new standards and will seek to rise to them. New discoveries in science, rather than being enemies of religion, open new vistas of awe, wonder, and mystery. Implicit in this, is the idea that religion, including our own religion, is not static. We believe, we know, we have experienced ourselves that denominations can grow and change, just as people can. We have experienced this in our own denomination. We are not the, the denomination that Channing founded, that Channing helped found. 
Indeed, it only took a few years before Channing's kind of uh, Unitarianism became old-fashioned and new expressions of Unitarianism began to evolve. By the end of the 19th century, uh, non-Christian humanist Unitarianism evolved that would seem familiar to many of us today. In the 20th century, we've welcomed neo-pagans and followers of earth-centered religion to our community. Now, some people were unhappy with this religious evolution. Some wealthy members of the First Unitarian Church of Baltimore were so unhappy in this movement that in the 1890s, when we were remodeling the interior of our sanctuary, they financed a Tiffany glass mosaic of the Last Supper that is on our chancel wall, where you have these flowers. We would have this big Tiffany glass mosaic. Uh, and I, you know, I've literally experienced people walking into our, our sanctuary, looking forward and walking back out. Uh, but this, you know, I once, I once preached a sermon against that mural, actually. But, but, you know, it's important to some members of our congregation. And, and so I wouldn't want anything to happen to it. The, you know, this still denominates, here's the, the key thing, it still dominates our sanctuary wall. We've evolved, and here's the key point. Nobody got forced out. Nobody had to leave. They could stay there. All still had a home. I'll come back to this in a minute. The point I'm making here, the capital G, capital M good news, is that religion is an evolving institution and we are an evolving religion. And the really good news is that you and I are part of that evolution. We are making it happen. Channing did his part and now we are doing ours. You are doing yours. Whatever we become depends in large part on what you do. Furthermore, more Unitarian Universalist gospel here, we are honest about what we know and what we don't know. We are open to truth and to insight into how to lead a good life wherever we find it. This leads to the liberating good news that no religion, including our own, has the whole truth or the final truth. This builds in, or should build in, a sense of humility about our own limitations, and thus humility in our engagement with the world. As a corollary to this, we are comfortable with doubt, comfortable with not having the final answers. We have our truth, we have our gospel, we have our good news, but we know that other approaches to religion, other approaches to leading a meaningful, ethical, caring life, these also have value. We are open to learning from them. We find this comforting. You know, we're a small denomination. We don't have to save the whole world ourselves. We have help. <clears throat> okay, so far you might be thinking, Good enough, with your good news about religion, how denominations work and all that. But what's your good news for me as a person? You might be thinking, these ideas are good, but religious life is lived in congregations. If I'm a member of a Unitarian Universalist congregation, what does this mean for me? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
The best statement I've ever read of what a congregation should be doing comes from the Geneva, Illinois Unitarian Society, a little town up the Fox River from where I grew up in Illinois. In 1842, they declared their purpose. We could say their good news. And they wrote this. Being desirous of promoting practical goodness in the world and aiding each other in our moral and religious improvement, we have associated ourselves together, not as agreeing in opinion, not as having obtained universal truth in belief or perfection in character, but as seekers after truth and goodness. Seekers after truth and goodness promoting practical goodness in the world, in modern terms, social action, aiding each other's moral and religious improvement, spiritual development, a statement of community, not necessarily agreeing with others, not people who have arrived, but as seekers. Now, this statement should not be entirely unfamiliar to you, if you read the front of your order of service here, we join together to encourage spiritual growth, build a beloved community, and act for peace and justice. Notice these nice active verbs here. Encourage, build, act. Same three things pretty much that those folks back in Geneva in 1842 talked about. I was delighted to see that this morning. Note what's not in either of these statements. It's not a statement of belief. It's not a creedal statement. What it says is that these are our aspirations, and more importantly by implication, that we can do these things, helping each other. We can achieve these things. We can live our lives in this way. In that sense, though not formally a creed, it is a statement of profound belief that you can do these things. That little congregation in 19th century Illinois, which has echoes in this larger congregation today here in Maryland, this congregation in Illinois, which had been much less diverse socially and theologically and in almost every aspect than today's Unitarian Universalist congregations, put its finger on what binds our very diverse congregations and denomination. We are here to help each other in a mutually respectful way. Let me say that again, because I, I like my own words here. We're here to help each other in a mutually respectful way. Some congregations make it a practice of ending their services by singing, you know, the tune from the Gray Hignal, from you we receive, to you we give, together we share, and by this we live. These are not just words for show. We welcome you, and we welcome you to join, just as you are, to join this community of ours, just as you are. We encourage your growth to where you want to be. I'm emphasizing you as a unique, irreplaceable individual, but we do this in community. We recognize that people come trailing clouds of identities and belong to multiple communities. We try to see all these aspects of you, but we also try to see 
the unique you before us, that person of worth and dignity. We Unitarian Universalists trust you to use your mind and your emotions and your experience to find the path you want to travel. We believe that a religious fellowship does not need to have a doctrine dictated to it, that it can build an intimate, supportive fellowship of people who believe very different things about some ultimates, about whether there is a God or God, or life after death, or whatever. We believe that it is possible to do this, to succeed in creating a pluralistic culture, and we try our best to live that culture. This is good news indeed. Cultivating racial and social diversity in our congregations is a work in progress, but we have certainly succeeded in theological diversity. Indeed, here a goal is not simply diversity, but pluralism, which the Pluralism Project at Harvard University defines as the energetic engagement with diversity. It's not just getting along. We don't want, in the words of the Pluralism Project, mere diversity without real encounter and relationship. We want real encounter and relationship. What this means is that I, as a humanist who doesn't believe in a God, I want to hear from those of you who do, so I might learn from you and better understand you and be able to support you in your beliefs. And I noticed this afternoon that you have meetings scheduled for both progressive Christians and also for atheist, humanists, and agnostics. And I say, yes, yes. In the same congregation, you need your own little groups for you know, your own development of your own views. And I hope you take these views into your larger community because we all need each other. And the point is this. Our religious growth comes not just from ideas and practices which we share and which we are familiar with, but from ideas and practices which are different from our own. What will make us individually and collectively strong is for each of us to examine our own ideas and to lovingly and respectfully articulate them and to live them. And from the grounding of our own approach, to listen to those who approach our mutual journey with a different perspective. How do we meet this challenge? When we do this, we do it well. When we do it well, we transcend the labels of humanist or theist and all the other labels we use to describe whatever kind of Unitarian Universalist we are. When we focus on our dreams, aspirations, and community, we do so deeply and well. Indeed, we are at our best when we talk to each other, when we find ways to express our differences among us, among each other, and along with our commonality. These attitudes that I've just discussed are very important to us as rules of the road in what we might call procedural beliefs. Respect others' beliefs. Feel free to adapt the best and the most workable and so forth. This attitude helps us to live peacefully with our differences. The good news is that people can find ways to do this, and we have found one of these ways. We have found it right here in this room. 
we have discovered that we don't have to believe exactly the same thing to have a successful enhancing religious community. We share the shared spiritual life, however you define spiritual, the shared spiritual life doesn't depend on uniformity of belief other than the belief that we can travel the path together, abiding by some simple rules of the road. I think our congregations model to the larger society that communities can exist and flourish without being uniform in belief and if they are united by mutual respect. Finally then, the good news that makes all this work is our concern for the conduct of life trumps belief questions. We often express this as deed before creed. You know, what do you believe is an important question. But what we're really interested in is how your belief influences your behavior toward your fellow human beings and toward this natural world that we live in. Do your beliefs affect how you walk in the world? We believe that walking together, working together, I know everybody can't walk, how we move through the world, how, the, how can, we can be better people, creating a better world. This is good news indeed. We believe that we can do this. And here's where our lowercase and uppercase good news meet. All these good news things that we do, our social action, our being opening and welcoming, our respect for the individual before us, flow from and support and enhance our good news. The lowercase good news gives action and life to our uppercase good news. Our gospel only lives as we make it live. So this then is our gospel, our two kinds of good news. I urge you to spread both kinds of good news by your words and your actions. Proclaim it to the world. We believe that human beings acting together become better people and can make a better world, and we will be better people in this better world. To borrow from the great Rosie the Riveter slogan from World War II, our good news is that we can do it. We can do it. We can be better people in a better world. Let us all say, we not only can do it, we shall do it. We shall do it. Because I believe that we can do it. And I believe that we will, if we decide that we shall. <laughs>